Uh, so as an example, uh, a good KPI would be um, a lead generation form. If you have a lead form or a contact form on your website, every time someone fills that out, that should be a goal and a mm. KPI you're measuring, right? Um, Welcome back to another exciting week on Talking With Experts podcast with your host, Chris Cowden. Joining me this week is Janet Driscoll Miller, the founder of Marketing Mojo, an award-winning speaker and writer on digital marketing for the last 25 years. Her clients include National Geographic and Mazda USA. In this episode, we talk about her latest book, which is all about data-first marketing and how to compete and win in the age of analytics. Well, um, so, so I have been in digital marketing, SEO and digital marketing for over 20 years. Um, and I run a company called Marketing Mojo, which is headquartered in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, but we're a virtual agency now due to COVID. We decided to stay virtual and be around the world and around the country. So uh, we've done that. Um, and I also am the author of the book Data First Marketing, which uh, culminated from um, years. I've had this agency for almost 16 years now. And what I saw as I had clients throughout the years for SEO and digital advertising was a lack of a process that was a good standard process. Mm -hmm. And so in our um, agency, we follow the data first marketing model. This is basically our process put on paper for others to read. Mm -hmm. um, and it really centers around data. And that's what I love, data analytics and understanding really what's working well, what's not working well and, and how to make adjustments. But we saw lots of mistakes, lots of challenges that companies faced over the years as they came to us to fix these, um, these problems in their SEO and their um, digital advertising. And that's really what the book is about. It's about how do we create a process and a framework for our own company that will help us to understand and really achieve what is the most important number mm. and, and uh, data in the company, which is ROI, really. I mean, that's, and, and achieving that revenue, that's what your company wants to know from you as a marketer is how are the efforts you're putting in uh, affecting the bottom line? And that's what this book helps to try and walk you through to achieve. And in the first bit of the book, I read about value metrics and volume metrics and how other people aren't focusing on the right things. Can you explain more about that and what the focus should be? So as an example, you know, we'll have clients come to us and they'll say, you know, I want to measure things like my content engagement, which isn't a bad thing to measure. I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like, uh, that those metrics are not important, but there are certain metrics that are more important value metrics that are more important and valuable to your company, to your CEO. And those have to do with how we measure our success down to the ROI level. And unfortunately, content engagement doesn't always really tell us that, like how many likes we have in Facebook or, you know, or Twitter, that doesn't really help us uh, to understand that. So those are important metrics for marketing, perhaps to do some marketing measurement to say, you know, did we get our content out there? Mm -hmm. Are people reading it? Um, however, that's not really what your CEO cares about. Typically your CEO cares about, did this piece of content generate leads that then there became customers? And then yes. those customers, what was the value of those customers? And so those are the value metrics that we're really trying to get more marketers to focus on through our book. Because unfortunately, I 
we get lost in marketing with there's so much to measure and there's so many great things to do because too much on the, um, these metrics that are helpful for us as marketers, but mm -hmm. maybe not as helpful for, um, uh, for the CEO. Okay. So what could your framework that you've outlined in this book work for, um, a small business as well. Yeah. And the thing I think that we have to focus on, no matter what size your business is, is that you really almost need to crawl before you walk. Mm -hmm. You know, these are, these are steps on a path. Um, and so not everyone's going to be able to measure to ROI immediately. It's, it's a really challenging thing. If everyone could do it, they would, right? I mean, they'd be doing it now, but so many companies are not. And so even if you're a small business, and in some cases, when you're a small business, you're more agile, you're able to make changes mm -hmm. really quickly versus a large business that might have many different moving parts mm -hmm. and departments that have to be, uh, that you have to work with to get things done. So I think honestly, a lot of small businesses have an advantage because they can control a lot better uh, and move a lot faster than some bigger businesses. Yeah. And then you only have, I guess, in a small business, one decision maker right right yeah. makes it a lot faster than if you had to work with like as an example we worked with large fortune 500 companies and let's say we want to change on the website well sometimes that that change needs to go through the it department and the it department invariably it always has a backlog they always have too much work to do mm. and so perhaps your request for this change on the website isn't made for months because they're just too busy to make it and, and they have other high priority issues to work on. Um, and so it can take a long time. It, it's really, like I said, it's a, it's a gradual step-by-step -step approach that you have to take. And it may not be something that you achieve overnight and that's okay. We just want to keep moving, making progress towards being able to measure that ROI. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I was previously working with a um, a charity um, on their video, like as an outsourced video editor for them. And there was a lot of, you know, you've got to go through the marketing team and then you've got to go to the corporate team and then it takes six months to get stuff on the website and onto the social media. So it I, I appreciate now how many levels it has to go through, but if I wanted to make a, a quick change on my website changing something it right. would it would happen instantly so yeah i agree instantly. with you yeah <laughs> there's more there's probably more urgency for a small business <laughs> i get i don't know um so that's true too that's yeah. also really true the instant the the sense of urgency with a small business might be greater as well to your point um and the owner is often much more involved in the day-to-day -day process. So there, the, the owner's sense of urgency is going to be there, you know, that we have to be profitable. We have to be successful. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's a really good point. Yeah, great. Uh, I'm glad I'm adding something. <laughs> so what would be the first, I know we, we need to, we need to dig, dig, dig deeper in what specific data people need to focus on um i don't know to 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 gain uh roi or uh what 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 would be your first steps in taking that data first approach so the very first thing i think that you need to take a look at in measuring the data um is 
having a good analytics platform. And, um, you know, Google Analytics is great for this. It doesn't mean that you have to invest a lot of money to get the data you want, but you can get use Google Analytics to get lots of great data. Unfortunately, a lot of companies, and we mentioned some examples in the book of mistakes that people make with Google Analytics. And um, so it's one thing you need to keep an eye on how you're setting up your analytics and making sure it's actually tracking accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of that might be, for instance, you know, you're probably familiar with the fact that you can tag your existing destination URLs in your, um, in your advertising with UTM parameters for Google Analytics. And that's really helpful and, and really informative when you look at Google Analytics. But what a lot of folks don't realize is that um, Google Analytics tagging is um, sensitive to capitalization and spelling. Mm. So for instance, uh, I give an example in the book about LinkedIn. If you were to use LinkedIn as a UTM source on your ads, and you spelled it with a capital L and a capital I, which is how the brand is spelled, mm-hmm. and then you did it again on a different URL with a lowercase L and a lowercase I for LinkedIn, um, Google Analytics would treat them as different sources altogether. Okay. That's, that's a major mistake that people don't realize. And so let's say you go into your source medium report in Google Analytics and you pull it up and you look at LinkedIn with capital L and capital I, and you assume that that's all of your data from LinkedIn, from your campaigns, that wouldn't be the case. You'd be making a false assumption there. So it's important to ensure that all of the things you're setting up in Google Analytics are accurate and tracking effectively. And if they're not, you may be getting data that you're making uh, poor decisions on, uh, as we like to say, garbage in, garbage out. If you're not putting in the right information, you're not going to get out valuable data and information on the uh, on the backside either. Yes. Uh, so, so what should people? I know what should we track? We shouldn't track, uh, or shouldn't should? Uh, yeah. What should we track? <laughs> so. Really, you can track just about anything. I mean, I would say that, you know, in Google Analytics in particular, you know, you can set up goals for KPIs, you know, depending on what type of business you have, you may only have KPIs, you may have offline ROI measurement, right? So like if you're, if your sales are um, offline, then mm-hmm. you may not have that all hooked up. And that's okay, you can get that data uh, separately offline as well, if you need to, and combine it with your data that's online. But what you need to make sure you're doing as a very bare minimum in Google Analytics is using the goals that you can set up in Google Analytics to measure your KPIs, where your key performance indicator. What's telling me that if someone does this action on my site, that's a really good indicator that they are probably going to become a prospect or a customer. Uh, So as an example, uh, a good KPI would be um, a lead generation form. If you have a lead form or a contact form on your website, Every time someone fills that out, that should be a goal and a Mm. KPI you're measuring, right? Um, Every single time. And then you can use that data. Like, let's say, for instance, we know that 100 people filled out the goal on our our site. They filled out the the contact form. And then on the back end, we may may know we got 20 sales. Mm -hmm. Then we can say, well, we know 100 people filled it out. Only 20 became our customer. So we know, generally speaking, 20% of people who fill out the form become customers. Mm-hmm. So then you can say from that, and then let's say, for instance, the average sale is 
$1,000. So 20 sales equals $20,000. That's your ROI you can measure back. So if you think about um, building your campaigns to measure all the way through, that's really mm -hmm. key. And even if it's offline, finding ways to use tools like Google Analytics, um, other tools like HubSpot, there's lots of great tools out there that you may be using in your organization. Or even if you're doing e-commerce, you know, if you have e-commerce, making sure your e-commerce module in Google Analytics is set up properly. Um, it can give you a wealth of data and ROI directly in Google Analytics if you're an e-commerce company. So making sure that's set up correctly is really key. Looking at those KPIs, making sure they're goals. And if you're e-commerce, making sure that your e-commerce module is set up properly. Yes. And, and um, in terms of KPIs, how would... What is there a specific framework you have to follow to set them, or could they just be? I, I need to. I, I want to capture so many leads from the website. How specific do you have to be? Well, it depends on what how much you really feel like you need to measure. I mean, if you find in your organization, organization is different. But let's say there's a a step process that we see people following, um, and you can see this in your Google Analytics. Like you could, if you have a goal, for instance, of lead generation set up, you could track back through the flow report, uh, the page flow report in Google Analytics, where those people, what other things they touched in the website. Mm -hmm. So you could find out, let's say, I know that everyone who reads this um, instruction guide about how to set up an account with us becomes a customer or fills out the lead form, or that's a really strong indicator, even if 50% or 80% mm. of people hit this one piece of information, then we know that when they consume that information, it is, it is a clear indicator that they are highly likely to become a prospect. So you can look at the other things too, not just lead gen forms, but other things that are on your website that indicate uh, whether or not someone uh, could become a customer. Another good example, like with e-commerce, Let's say I find on average through Google Analytics mm -hmm. that before someone purchases something, they look at it at least three times. Like maybe I have a pair of shoes I like, and in order for me to purchase it, I tend, the you know, customers tend to look at something maybe three times. Mm -hmm. Well, you could even set up a goal that basically said, well, show me how many times someone looked at this, this page. That's a KPI. You could set up mm -hmm. a goal that way. Or to your point of video, maybe they watched a, a setup video. And if they watch that, that's an maybe an indicator. So you can use your existing Google Analytics to glean what those KPIs might be and then set up goals accordingly, which when you set up the goal, it'll make it a lot easier to measure those KPIs going forward. So 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 from the from the from the start, you're you're I guess you're looking at your website as a prospect and thinking, okay, what what would I look at? And mm -hmm. and then setting up the KPIs. Okay, this is, I looked over here, I looked over there, I entered my details here. So maybe you could compare, you could go over to LinkedIn or you, you could go over to uh, an agency website or to another website and see some differences. And then uh, I, maybe I'm going off ball here, but to, yeah, to check out your competitors. Yeah, absolutely. You could see what they're doing as well. And if they have stepped flows, they try and push people through on the website. You know, are there certain steps they're trying to achieve on the website to get you to, to um, get through uh, certain gates, as, mm -hmm. we, as we might say. Um, and 
you know, again, another good example might be a free trial. If you're a SaaS company, a software mm-hmm. as a service, you know, um, someone signing up for a free trial is a KPI. Um, it's sort of a lead generator too, but it's also a KPI in that these people are not customers yet. Mm. They are simply in the free trial mode. But a free trial is probably a very strong indicator that they are very interested in becoming a customer. So uh, yeah, I would definitely look through your existing website and your competitors may have some great ideas on their website that you may want to implement too. Just look at how their flows work. How do they, how do they try and push people to become customers? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, what types of content even do they use? Do people sign up for a guide before they become a customer? Do they view a video? What are those things that are typical to, that you see? And again, you can look at your own analytics to see how many people viewed that video and then signed up to become a lead. You know, you can mm-hmm. see that on your own website. Uh, because they they will attract you with a, an email, uh, a guide, and then you'll enter your email. Then you'll get follow up emails. Um, you might be passed over to a Facebook group and and so yes. forth. So yeah. I guess you've got to uh, step back from your own business and see what other businesses are doing to capture your information, and then go, okay, these could be my indicators too. Right. Well, and and you bring up a good point about email. We just talked about tagging a minute ago. That's another place where I see sometimes folks forget to do tagging on the links in their emails. Because remember that emails are not part of the web. They are delivered, they have a different delivery mechanism than a website. And so there's no Google Analytics on an email. So you want to track how effective those emails were or a Facebook post or any kind of social organic post, be sure and put those tags on them because that will give you that information back that these people came from an email. This email was very successful for us. It drove in new leads, it drove in new sales. That's really important to know. And you won't know it if you, in Google Analytics unless you tag it appropriately. Mm-hmm. And you can only tag in Google Analytics. Well, I, I believe in other analytics programs, you can probably do some tagging as well. That's just the one that's more universal. We see most people using as Google Analytics, but I would imagine in other platforms, you can do tagging as well. Okay. And this is the first time I've heard of tagging. So for anybody else that's listening that doesn't understand what tagging is, can you explain what that is? Sure. So um, and Google has a really fantastic tool you can use. If you go to Google Analytics URL Builder, there's a if you do a search for that, there's a form that comes up and it can teach you, it can walk you through how to do this tagging. Basically, it is adding parameters to the end of your URL, your existing URL you're going to share. And you can add different types of parameters. And these parameters communicate with Google Analytics. This person clicking on this link came from this source or came from this medium or came from this campaign we have. So it brings in a lot of great, valuable information. So again, if you Google the term uh, Google Analytics URL Builder, there's a a page there. It's like a form and you can just fill it out. And after you've filled it out with the form a couple of times, you'll learn how to do it on your own and you won't need to use the form. But the form is a great way to walk you through the process and make it really simple. And it's a great place to start because you can you can tag your Facebook posts and your Insta, Instagram posts and your LinkedIn and that and that's a lot. That's where the majority of online business people spend their time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, it's really tough too with 
I mean, if you're running ads or sponsored posts in Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, of course they have metrics that they show mm-hmm. when like having clicks you had and things like that, which is all valuable. But if you're doing organic social um, or emails, we talked about those, that, that information isn't there. Mm-hmm. So how do you know what happened? How do you know that your organic Facebook post or your organic Instagram post drove traffic to the site that became customers? You don't know. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. So it's important to do that tagging to ensure you get that information in Google Analytics so that you can then analyze it and say, wow, Instagram has been very helpful for me and it's doing great things. I should put more effort into that because it's bringing customers. Yeah. And do you do do you agree that we should focus on one specific social media platform to start with or go for all of them at, in terms of content and maybe tracking or should we just focus on? It can be very overwhelming. Yeah, it can be very overwhelming. I would ask myself one of the first steps we have a in the book, we have a campaign framework. It starts off from the very beginning of your campaign to the very end. Like, what do you need to do in what order? And the very first thing we mentioned, the foundation is personas and persona building. It's understanding where our audience hangs out. Mm -hmm. And so we can ensure that like the great content we create speaks to their needs, but also that we distribute it in a way that they're going to find it. Um, the, the right people are going to find it. And so um, I would focus on the, so, on the social media platform that is most meaningful for you to start. Where do your mm-hmm. personas hang out? The other ones might be extra. They may not be necessary. You know, um, so as an example, as a business owner myself, my audience doesn't really come to Facebook or Instagram to engage with me. Mm-hmm. They engage with me on LinkedIn. Um, and Twitter primarily. And so understanding that and knowing where they hang out, that's where I'm going to spend the, the majority of my time mm-hmm. because I know that that's where they are. Um, and so I would prioritize it and start with the, the platform that is most meaningful to you based on where your personas and audiences tend to aggregate okay, and, and, or congregate, I should say, not aggregate, yeah, congregate. Yeah. Well, that's a lot to take in. Uh, I, I know I like to I, I like to leave people with actionable steps. That's what a lot of my experts are doing. And I, I know you've covered a lot, but if you could share three actionable steps that people could do after they've listened to this episode. Absolutely. So I think, you know, we talked about tagging. That would be one of my top things I would do because again, it brings in so much great information. So check out that URL builder and start tagging your Um, The second thing I would say would be uh, really thoroughly and where they congregate, where you should be uh, spending your time and then testing that against Google Analytics. Mm. Once you have everything tagged and you can see the traffic coming in, you'll be able to tell, does the audience I I want really uh, get attracted through this particular source or medium? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And lastly, I would say, picking the right tools. So when you think about um, how you're going to measure, think about the tools you're using. Google Analytics is one tool, but there may be other tools that you need. 
and they may not all be together. So one of the things we talk about in the book is like, for instance, I use QuickBooks as an example, QuickBooks Online. And that's how I track all my invoicing and my revenue and so forth. Well, that's separate from salesforce.com, which is my, um, my CRM. Mm-hmm. And that's separate from my mm-hmm. Google Analytics. So you have to um, uh, look at the tools you're using and where do you need to get information from to get to that ROI? And you may not get there today, but start thinking about how do I get to this information that I'm going to need? And the information is the, the foundation. How, what is the information I need? And then you can say, what tool can get me that information? Yeah. And to and for all those, uh, when, I, when I think of data, I go, oh, this is, this is a, a massive this is a massive industry or, or it's a it's a lot to take in and can get a bit overwhelming but I think just focusing on those three things and uh, implementing tagging and going over to the URL builder and just doing those basic things and then looking at what other competitors are doing that's a good start yeah it is it's an excellent start just really understanding and getting some ideas from them. Really, you can get a lot of great ideas from your competition. But I would just emphasize, don't follow your competition down a rabbit hole. Just Mm -hmm. because your competition is doing something doesn't mean they're doing it well. (laughs) So just be cautious, you know, use your best judgment about what you think is is good uh, that you can uh, glean from them. And then, you know, consider it and try it, but always be measuring. Always be measuring because if you can measure something, you can determine if it was successful or not. Challenges of working from home. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me then? I'm very excited because I'm going to be at a co-working facility soon, and I'm just waiting for the new office to be ready. So they're building this new building, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. But I really need to get out of my house. <laughs> uh, so, so, and back. So, I was specifically asking about the podcast. What do you think I should focus on in terms of collecting data? I know I probably need to set up Google Analytics and do those three steps that you spoke about. But, yeah. and you know, podcasting is interesting because your podcast can show up. There's special tagging you can do if you have the podcast like on your website and so forth to show up in Google organic listings. So I would definitely check that out for the podcast to get more visibility. But um, if it's on your own site, I would definitely be doing some tagging. One of the things you can do also with Google Analytics is do event tagging with videos to see how long someone watched, Watched, right? the, The podcast. And, and that's really valuable to you because if you find, for instance, we were talking about what is the length of the podcast? Well, if you find that like 20 minutes is working out better than 40 minutes, you may decide every podcast should be 20 minutes. Yes. Um, and so a lot of really valuable information you can glean by just um, setting up goals correctly and then doing that tag. Yeah. And recently, because I know uh, from one of the, one of my, so he's, He's helping me produce the podcast. Uh, he was one of my experts. He he said that now Google are indexing uh, podcasts, so they they're crawling the transcriptions. Yes. So I spent some of my um, w- 
evenings last night putting it all onto a website and giving the listeners access to the full transcription so that they can read along while they're listening. Well, and I also will say that um, even if you're not a podcaster, that um, I, I have a, a tool that I use um, for project management, a, a software tool, and being able to search the transcription so I can find the specific answer mm -hmm. uh, is really helpful. But all of that rich text content in the transcription makes a big difference to getting ranked. So I think that's a great approach and it'll get you that visibility that you need for the podcast to bring in new visitors to the site and, and new viewers. And I, I, I think it was somebody else's advice, but I thought I'd, I'd, I'd invest some time in putting it together. How important is it to get it word for word? Because I know transcriptions take a long time to, you know, make sure the grammar's right. And <laughs> I don't want to waste, I, I, I don't mean waste. I mean, I don't want to invest all this time in something that, you know, gets the, you know, the ums, the ahs, the... <laughs> Right. So um, there are some really great transcription services I've used that are really low cost, but even I believe Yahoo, uh, not Yahoo, uh, YouTube now does transcription of your YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. So if you put it up there, you can get it transcribed. Um, it's not critical that it's exact. It's, it, uh, there's, no, there's no check and balance with Google to look at listening to your video and then the transcription and comparing them. So there's no danger there necessarily, at least at this time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could see where people might try and spam the transcription, you know, for SEO purposes. So at some point in the future, there may be a situation where Google does look at more of that matching and do a check and balance. But right now, I don't mm -hmm. think there's, there's really no, anything like okay. that yeah. going on. But, and I think it's very important for me to put um, a good, um, put a form on the site so that I can start collecting email lists and then targeting because that's something that I haven't considered yet but I think I should definitely do that well one of the other benefits of the email list is if you get people who subscribe to the podcast not only can you then email them when there's a new episode available but you can even create ads for them if you needed to to let them know or, or sponsor posts that target just them to say mm -hmm. hey there's a new episode available so we want you just have an address that it's really valuable i really recommend doing exactly what you're saying is building that email list as best you can mm -hmm. okay so i think we covered a lot and i i want to thank you again for um sending me your book and i and i will i promise i will complete this book <laughs> and i will i will take advantage of everything you're telling me in this uh because it's it's your wisdom and you've you spent a lot of time on it so thank you for that um and thanks for thanks for joining me on talking with experts podcast it's been a privilege and you know it was worth the wait oh, well thank you i appreciate it. it was definitely worth the wait for me too and it was great talking to you chris thanks for having me Thank you again for listening to this week's episode on Talking With Experts podcast with Janet Driscoll-Miller. It was amazing to have her on and share her decades of experience in digital marketing and talk about her new book, Data First Marketing, How to Compete and Win in the Age of Analytics. If you would like to get a copy of that book, then head over to the show notes and you'll be able to get her new book in there. 
Speak to you soon and I'll see you next week on Talking With Experts podcast with a very special bonus episode by Bear Intentions.